Hello, everyone, and welcome back to My Sprinkle Faith. I'm your host, Lizzie Kanzler, and this podcast is a podcast I'm really excited to be sharing with you guys. It's one that I've been wanting to make for a while now, um, and it is definitely going to have to be in multiple parts because there is quite a bit that I <laughs> would like to get through in here. So, um, we're going to be going over about a quarter of the book um, that, oh, I haven't even introduced it. Um, the book we will be talking about today is Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi. I really hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think I am, but I apologize if I'm not. Um, this is an absolutely amazing book and one of my absolute favorites. And so, like I said, we'll be doing it about in quarters. Um, so it'll probably take about four podcasts, so four different weeks. Um, just because I don't want it to go on too long because I could literally talk about this book for hours on end and I don't think that's the best idea (laughs) for a podcast, especially when this only records about an hour. So, um, I'm just going to start off by introducing the book a little bit and then we'll dive in. So, uh, like I said, it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi. Um, Nabil Qureshi was an apologist. Um, he was a devout Muslim from for as much of his life. Uh, he grew up in a Muslim household, and um, you know he loved Allah and he um, worshipped him, and it was um, it was a huge part of his life and a part of his family life and all that stuff. And then um, later on in life. Um, he meets a guy named David, and David and him become best friends, and David is a Christian, and, um, they, being a Christian, being a Muslim, you know, they had very, they had different beliefs, and they were also very passionate about what they believed, and so they would get into these theological debates, and very respectful debates, but, you know, they're both very passionate, so they want to talk about their beliefs and they want to, um, they believe that theirs are true. And, um, eventually David brings enough evidence to Nabil that Nabil becomes a Christian and he becomes an apologist and he wrote a couple of books, I believe. And so, you know, now we get to read it. There's also a, um, a video a documentary series that you can watch on it as well. I have not watched it yet. My dad has. Um, we're planning on watching it pretty soon because um, I do want to watch it because, again, it is one of my absolute favorite, favorite books. So this book um, just goes in-depth onto in, into Nabil's life, you know. Um, it starts off um, in the, like, his... The beginning of the book is all about Islam and... Um, all about his young years practicing Islam and, um, you know, all the things that go into the Islamic faith. And because that, that was a major, major part of his life. Oh, and I, sorry, I don't know why I forgot to mention this. Um, Nabil has uh, moved on to be in heaven with Jesus now. Um, you know, it's sad for us down here because, I would. I mean, I would have loved to hear him speak. Um, my uncle actually got to hear him speak at a conference once. But it is also a good thing because, um, you know, 
to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he gets to be in heaven with Jesus now. Um, and he, he died of cancer, so, you know, he's no longer suffering from that, which is always a good thing. But just was going to say, I meant to say that earlier, and I, it totally just flew out of my head to say. Um, but yeah, so it, it's just about his life going from being a Muslim to being a Christian. And all the different things that he learned along the way, both about um, Islam and about Christianity. And I think that was really interesting to me because I want to learn about other um, religions, not because I think that, um, you know, Christianity is not true or that I believe um, my mind is going to change or that I'm going to, you know, convert to another religion because I will not. Um, I believe in Jesus wholeheartedly. I have my faith and trust in him. Um, I just think it is a good thing to learn about other religions. You know where people are coming from. And also, you know, you know exactly what they believe. Um, I watched, I like to watch this, um, this one guy on TikTok. Can't remember his name. But he knows a lot about other religions. So that when he's talking about Christianity, he's able to say, oh, well, like, this is what this religion believes, but this is what Christianity believes in, that kind of thing. And I think it's really cool. So learning about that was really interesting to me as well. So if you're interested in, in learning about that, another great book for that as well. Um, and then it goes into, you know, what convinced him to be Christian and what was the evidence that was brought up that made him, um, that made him convert to Christianity and made him love Jesus because, there was so much information and signs and wonders and stuff like that that went into it that we'll get into later. But um, I just think this is an absolute amazing book. And if you get the chance to read it, please, please do. Um, I would recommend it to literally every single person if I could. So anyways, I do want to get into it. So um, like I said, we're just going to start at the beginning and I'm going to go in a little bit on, you know, what happens in the beginning and... um. Like I said before, it's important to know about other religions, so I am probably going to talk a little bit about them. But, um, you know, it starts with his family life because that was super, super important to him. And so he learned, He talks about learning about the Quran and learning, um, you know, just they memorized the Quran and memorized parts of it in books and other things as well. And it was really interesting to me how that was so important to them. Just like, I mean, um, memorizing verses is so important to Christians. And they're not exactly the same because I, and this was something that they were kind of forced to do and very much like, you have to do this. This is what a good Muslim does. And Christianity is more, you know, it's a really good thing to memorized verses but if you don't have a bunch of them memorized it doesn't make you a bad christian so i thought that was kind of interesting um they were all he also talks about the calling his calling to prayer um prayer is super super important in both um islam and christianity um to muslims it's something that they have to do a specific amount of times in the day and for us christians you know prayer is just a time that you get to spend with jesus and you get to spend talking to him and um, it's just a time that you get to hear from him and you get to speak to him. And, you know, if you don't pray a certain amount of times in a day, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. 
but it's so important that we do pray. And I mean, I personally try to pray a lot of times during the day. Um, and I don't always do it a bunch, but you know, it's something that you try at. Um, whereas in Islam, you, it's, you have to pray however many times during the day. Anyways, um, he also goes into his mother's faith, um, which I thought was a really interesting chapter and about how she chooses to, um, give her fear over to Allah and her dependence on the sovereign care to give her strength and, um, reassure her. And she was steadfast in her reliance, um, even in the face of all these horrible things, um, and he said that her testimony, the testimony of her faith is something that he has never forgotten. Um, and, you know, for us as Christians, it's important to be the same way. Not to Allah, obviously, but to Jesus, to God. And I think it's really interesting because in a lot of other religions, they take a lot from Christianity. Um, I mean, Islam... Um, you know, you can see parallels. Obviously, they're not equal. They're not the same, but there are similarities, and they do believe certain things from the Bible. They don't believe everything, but they believe certain things, and so it's just, it's interesting to read about because there are definitely things where I'm like, oh, well, I do that, just not to Allah, you know, and it, it really is dependent on who you're worshiping because, you know, obviously... Um, Islam is idolatry because, you know, you're worshiping a different God besides <clears throat> the one and only God. Um, the Godhead three in one. Um, and so it's just interesting that there are certain things that are similar, but they're obviously so different because of that. And so it's just cool, I thought. Um, so it definitely goes in depth on that, which I thought was kind of cool. And about his fathers as well. Um, and then just having the community of, you know, his whole family was just so important because he had, um, I believe an older sister. I could be wrong, but it was his mom, his dad, and his sister. Um, and then, sorry, I'm kind of just looking through the book as I, um, read or as I speak, I mean, um. But there are things that, you know, I under, or I highlighted in here because I was like, like I said, this totally is just like Christianity, except that they're worshiping a different God. Um, uh, for example, um, there's something that they say in Arabic. I do not know how to pronounce it, so I apologize. I'm not going to try, but it says in the name of God, the most gracious, most merciful God is gracious. God is merciful. Of course, they're not talking about our God. They're talking about Allah. But it's still characteristic of our God. And so there are certain things that I, you know, highlighted that I think are very similar. But it doesn't mean, but not in the sense that they're using it, if that makes sense. Um, and then, you know, he gets in, he goes in depth into... Um, a lot of different things about Islam, and here we go. Um, here are some more things that I underlined because I thought, you know, it is so much, so similar to Christianity, but so different all at the same time. 
um, we won because Allah helped us. No, we wouldn't be, we win. Well, Jesus wins, right? God has the victory. And, um, yeah, sometimes we win things and it's because God helps us. Um, uh, God will always help because we are his people. Now, um, that's what I highlighted. The whole sentence was God will always help the Muslims because we are his people. Um, but God will help us. I, you know, they're talking about Allah will always help the Muslims because we are his people. So, same but different at the same time. Um, we're taking out a couple words. Um, and then they, like I said, you know, taking certain things from the Bible, believing in certain things in the Bible. Um, they talk about, they, they, it's like taking scripture out of context and, um, making it be what you want it to be. For example, um, why did the Muslims fight these battles? Were we attacking anyone? No, Abba, Muslims only fight to defend themselves. The Meccans were attacking the Muslims. So what did the Muslims have to do to stop the Meccans? They conquered Mecca. And where was this prophesied? I interjected. In the Bible, Deuteronomy, there was a whole field of Islamic polemics called Muhammad in the Bible. And our books of Islamic knowledge were full of references to biblical prophecies about Muhammad. I was fascinated with them. Plus, I loved saying Deuteronomy, though I had no idea what it was. See, Deuteronomy isn't necessarily <laughs> um, prophesying about the Muslims conquering Mecca. But that's how they took it. And so they pull things from the Bible that aren't necessarily what the Bible is actually saying. Um, he also goes into forgiving and forgiveness. Forgiveness. For. Wait, I can't speak. Forgive. I don't know. Okay. Um, forgiveness. That's the word. Okay. So um, he's talking about, again, Muhammad and that kind of a thing. Um, uh, but he says he forgave all the Meccans. Um, yes, he forgave everyone. When Muhammad finally had a chance to strike them down, no less than they deserved, he gave mercy to them all. So in Islamic culture, um, Muhammad is one of the most important figures um, below Allah. And um, he's kind of their savior in a sense, not quite the same way that Jesus is our savior, but in the, it's like a he's he's the highest prophet in their beliefs, and so um, I just thought it was interesting how they kind of were like, oh well he were he forgave <clears throat> sorry he forgave them, and you know Jesus forgives us, and again parallels but not. exactly the same um so because obviously I'm not trying I'm not equating Muhammad to Jesus at all I'm just saying that they kind of take little things that are and they're similar but they're not the same anyways um they also talk about the day of judgment coming which we know will also come uh something else we believe um and then he goes to talk about, even talk about Jesus in the Bible is fascinating. To me, it was all part of all his plan for mankind, a plan that was finally enacted through the greatest man who ever lived, Muhammad. He had our hearts and he had our allegiance. So, again, they, 
they, they do study the Bible and they, um, just like, you know, I said it was important to learn about other religions. That's what they did. Um, because, but they also took things from the Bible and twisted it and changed scripture and that kind of thing. So it is definitely different than just learning about other religions, but I just thought that was really interesting. Um, oh, and then, um, they talk about rakat. I could, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, but it's units of repetition in salat, um, composed of standing, bowing, prostrating, and sitting postures. And it says that a Muslim is required to pray 17 rakat daily. So like we were talking about prayer beforehand, um, this was, you know, they had to pray 17 rakat daily. Um, we obviously don't have a, oh, you have to, you are required to pray this many times. It's just, you know, when you want to talk to God or when, you know, you want to hear from him and that kind of thing, we, we talk to Jesus. Um, and then again, a little thing that is similar to Christianity, but not quite the same, um, because they're talking about before Allah, um, but anyways, uh, we are all dirty and we need his cleansing. All of us are sinful and we need Jesus' cleansing. Um, um, uh, da, 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 where am I? Okay. Um, talk about the six articles of faith a little bit too. So if you want to, if you're interested in that, um, more learning about Islam and stuff definitely check this book out because, you know, it's, again, helpful to know about other, um, religions. Oh, by meeting together regularly and discussing matters of faith, we became a strong community. Fellowship. (laughs) Fellowship is so important in so many religions and especially in Christianity because fellowship is a time for us to meet together to discuss things, to talk about our faith, to pray for each other, to be with each other, to, um, to help each other come closer to Jesus, that kind of thing. So, and be, just become a strong community that you can lean on and help people. Um, they also talk about prophets in here, um, dreams, oh, fasting, um, which in Ramadan, which was, you know, super, is, is super important in the, um, uh, Islamic faith, so that, they talk about that, um, the second, the part two is called an ambassador for Islam, and so he talks about, you know, speaking about it with other people, and, you know, we are ambassadors of Christ, and, um, it's our job to be witnesses to other people about Jesus, and that's what he believed his job was um, about Allah. So it goes in depth on a couple of times where he talks to people, and I wanted to talk about that because most of them are him talking with other Christians. So let me... Okay, here we go. I'm just going to go through all, I have like three little sections that I want to talk about. Um, so he is talking to this girl, uh, what was her name? I want to say it was Betsy, but maybe that's the second one. There's like 
I think he talks to two different people, but, um, okay, so then, um, they're talking, they start to talk about Jesus, um, so she kind of, she asks, do you know about Jesus, and he says yes, um, and then I'm gonna read, ooh, I'm gonna read the rest, her eyes went wide, that was clearly not the answer she was expecting, really, what do you think about him, well, I'm Muslim, right? Muslims believe that Jesus was sinless and born of the Virgin Mary. He cleansed the leprous, gave sight to the blind, and raised people from the dead. Jesus is the Messiah, the Word of God. So, they, like I said before, they do, they do believe certain things from the Bible, but they don't believe all of it. And they, um, they take scriptures and don't understand them, and I will get more in depth on that because there are um, two parts of scriptures that, two parts of scripture that we're going to look at too. Um, okay. Betsy was stunned. I must have gone off script because, so it was Betsy, sorry, because she did not know where to go from there. So I proceeded for her, but Jesus was not God. He was just a man. Here's where, um, a big point in which Islam and Christianity differ is believing in the trinity okay so muslims believe in one god and one god only and of course we believe in one god and one god only but he our god is three in one they believe that we most muslims believe that christianity worships three gods which is not true we worship one god but he is three in one which is um, one of the biggest points that I love about this book, and we'll get into it later because it doesn't happen for a little while. But he explains the Trinity in probably the best way I've ever heard it explained. And so I will get into that later. But um, that's where one of their biggest things different, <laughs> one of the biggest differences. And so they do not believe that Jesus can be God. Um, they believe he was just a human, but he, they believe he was a prophet. Um, I drawn the battle lines for her and waited to see how she went to war. Wow, you know a lot more about Jesus than I thought. That's great. I believe a lot of the same things, but I don't agree completely. Would you mind if I shared my view? She responded softly, yet adamantly, employing the very sneaky maneuver of being herself. Sure, go ahead. This was getting interesting. Well, I don't know if you know, but I'm a Christian. Yeah, I thought so. I smiled, thinking to myself, the whole world knows you're Christian, Betsy. She beamed genuinely happy that I knew she was a Christian. I think the thing that I love about that part is that for him, he was like, dude, like, everyone knows it's so weird, like, whatever. But I don't know if for you guys, but for me, if someone knows I'm a Christian, it makes me so happy. It is one of the best compliments I think I can receive. So I just thought that was interesting. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's very important to us. Because he was the Son of God, he had no sin and was able to take our sins upon himself. I had many problems with the statement, but I had already drawn the battle line, so I stuck with the issue of Jesus' deity. I decided to take a concessionary approach. Betsy, I don't think the Bible we have today is the Word of God. It's been changed too many times throughout history. And, but for now, let's just say I don't think so. Where does Jesus say, I am God? Um, or let's just say I did think so. Where does Jesus say, I am God? 
another big thing is that um, is Muslims believe that um, you have to um, that the word cannot be changed at all. You know, we have different versions of the Bible, but they all say the same thing. It's just that it's easier for for people to read and in other languages, so everyone can read it. Um, where the um, the Quran is written solely in Arabic and cannot be changed. So, just so you know. Um, Betsy thought for a moment. She didn't seem too troubled, but it was clear to me she couldn't remember him saying it. After an uncomfortable amount of amount, blah, 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 an uncomfortable moment passed, which she seemed totally comfortable with. Uh, she said, "In John's Gospel, Jesus says the Father and I are one. That was the one I expected her to go for, and I was ready. Yeah, but also in John, Jesus prays for his disciples to be one, just as he is one with the Father. So he clarifies." exactly what he means by one he means unified in spirit and will if he meant one as in one being would he be praying for the disciples to be one in the same way he's not praying for his disciples to all become one being is he that's a good point she said thoughtfully good point i was in the process of dismantling her worldview and she was being congenial congenial did this girl ever get agitated well, I can't think of it right now, but I'm sure it's there. I can look it up and get back to you. Just so you know, that is a perfectly fine response to say to someone, hey, I don't know the answer to this, but let me do some research and I will get back to you on that. A perfectly reasonable and good response because, you know, you don't want to spread misinformation and that kind of thing. So just so you know, I'd um, I mean, obviously we all know that Jesus is God, but... Um, making sure that you know the, like, the right words to say and that kind of thing is totally fine. I'd love for you to, Betsy, but you won't find anything. Jesus never said he was God, I argued. He made the opposite quite clear to us. He felt the pangs of hunger, thirst, loneliness, and temptation. He cried and he bled. He didn't call himself the son of God. He called himself the son of man. He was very obviously human. Jesus was human. He was fully human but he was also fully God. Um, and that was part of his sacrifice for us. His sacrifice wasn't just him being on the cross, him dying, him being whipped and beaten, that kind of thing. His, um, his sacrifice was coming down to earth to be like us, humbling himself, um, going through hunger, thirst, loneliness, and temptation, and bleeding, and that, all that jazz. Betsy was nodding along. Yes, I agree. Jesus is a man, and he is God too. How can someone be, a, be man and God? Man is mortal, God is immortal. Man is limited, God is infinite. Man is weak, God is omnipotent. To be man is to not be God, and to be God is to not be man. This seemed to give her some pause. She was off balance, so I decided to push a bit harder. When Jesus went to Galilee, Mark's gospel tells us he could do no miracles. Not that he chose not to, but that he couldn't. Can God not do miracles when a woman in, the, in a crowd touched him? He had no idea who it was. Would God not know something that simple? After pausing to let her process, I continued. Um, I'm going to pause it right there because um, I have a little bit of information on this that I would like to share. If I can find where my page went. Uh, I have it all written down somewhere. Um, so... I have a lot of um, different things to say about 
this. Um, so we're talking about this woman, right? And she was hemorr- she had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, um, I believe. And, um, you know, she was so unclean. And in the time, in this, at this time, the, um, if you were, if you were to be touched by someone like this woman, you would also be considered unclean. And, um, she touched Jesus, which would in the time make him unclean as well, but it didn't. And instead, in touching him, she became clean. So, Jesus asks her, or asks the crowd, who touched me? She touched, she had touched his robe, just so you're aware. Of course, Jesus knows everything. He knew that it was her. He fully knew that it was her. Um, anyways, um, this story doesn't start off just by talking about this woman. It starts off by talking about this man and his daughter, and they asked Jesus to come, well, the man asked Jesus to come heal his daughter, so he decides to, and as they're walking, this woman touches his robe. She reaches out in full faith, touching his robe, thinking, if I can only touch Jesus, I will be saved, and then she is. She's um, cured. Um, She had been suffering for 12 years, like I said, and um, no matter how many doctors she saw, she only got worse. So it's not like this was just some, oh, like I'm better because I went to doctors. No, this, or like it was an easy thing to get better. No, it, she was getting worse and worse and worse. And as soon as she touched Jesus, she was healed. Um, so like I said, she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. This was an embarrassing and, um, unclean like she was very embarrassed and unclean and so um if she had touched Jesus and people had seen her touch Jesus she probably would have been condemned and um like I said in the time they believed that Jesus would have also become unclean but in the opposite happened when she touched him she became clean and he stayed clean um So immediately after touching him, the fountain of her blood had dried up. Um, And she she fell in her body she was healed. And um, Jesus knew that she touched him. Um, But still he asks, who touched my clothes? Now, Nabil, his young self, says that, how would God not know? Like, that's stupid. But the thing is, he did know. He knew exactly who it was. Um, Jesus knew all along exactly who touched him and received the healing. He asked who touched my clothes for the benefit of the woman, not because he didn't know who the person was. Um, this wasn't just a casual contact with Jesus, right? You know, you might, you might have like a broken leg and you're casually walking by Jesus and you touch him. It doesn't mean you're going to be healed. But she was reaching out to him in full faith. This was to show, you know, the power of her faith, or the power of faith in general, the power of Jesus, um, to say, look, like, this woman is now clean, treat her as such, um, and, um, here we go, also, it says, um, this is by Spurgeon, I'm reading it off of Enduring Word, if you want to go look at this, um, but, Here's the quote. 
it is not every contact with Jesus that saves men. It is the arousing of yourself to come near to him, the determinate, the personal, resolute, believing touch of Jesus Christ which saves. It was her faith, right? Um, She was fearful when she told him the truth. Also, I believe that it's to say, hey, like, be honest with me. Like, you know, you have to come to Jesus with honesty and your full heart and just give it your life to him and give your heart to him. Um, and I think that was a part of it. But anyways, it might seem that his only purpose was to embarrass this poor mo- woman before others, but that wasn't the purpose at all. Um, this way, she would know she was healed. She would for sure know. Um, and other people would know. Because, you know, it, it wouldn't take long for her to start to doubt and, you know, fear. Wonder if she was truly healed. Um, or that her hemorrhaging would return. Um, but Jesus told her, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. No, like, being sure to everyone around her and to herself that she was truly healed. Um, he also did this to, so that she would know why she was healed. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well, like we were talking about earlier. Um, he also didn't want her to think that she stole a blessing. Um... It, he also, like I was talking about before, he had this man with him who he was going to save his daughter. And um, that way this man could see the woman's faith and be encouraged regarding his own daughter. Um, I also want to point out that this was him walking with this man to save his daughter. And yet he still stopped for this woman. He's not just saying, oh, I have to go help this person. I'm not going to help you too. It's also not saying, hey, look, the... um." I can only do this in a certain amount of time. So, like, sorry, I can only heal your, heal your daughter daughter till this time. No, he takes his time because all of this is on, is on God's time. And he could help his daughter at any point. Just wanted to point that out as well. Um, so she came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Um, and then that's the whole part about daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And then he goes and he heals the daughter. Um, so then the next thing that Nabil said to this young Nabil said to young Betsy, when a man called him good, he said that he is not good. Only God is good. He draws a distinction between himself and God. He does it again when he said he didn't know when the world will end that only God knows. He's making it very clear that he is not God. He's not making it clear that he's not God. And also, yes, only the Father knows um, the time of the end of the world. Um, but anyways, this doesn't mean that he's not God. Um, so I'm going to talk about where... They talk about, uh, or where Jesus, or where the man called Jesus good, and Jesus says, um, no one is good except God alone. So, uh, the verse is Mark 10, 18. Why do you call me good? Jesus, the man asks, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Uh, Okay, so, a lot of people like uh, Nimbiel in this instance, um, use this to debate Jesus's divinity. 
um, and say that Jesus is denying that he is God. And I personally believe that he is really just revealing to the man that he is good. Um, Jesus is asking the man why he thinks Jesus is good. What are the characteristics of someone being good? Um, if only God is... Okay, this also is coming from Bible Ref, if you want to go check them out. Um, I use them for a lot of understanding what different verses mean if I'm struggling with understanding. And I just wanted to have the words to say this, so I'm using that website. If only God is perfectly good and a man, and a man is perfectly good, then the man would be God. Correct? So, this man is calling Jesus good. Jesus is a man. Jesus is also God. Now, this man doesn't necessarily know that, but by Jesus saying, only God is good, he's saying, look, I am God and I am man. If only, I'm going to repeat this, if only God is perfectly good and a man is perfectly good, so this man, Jesus, is perfectly good, but only God is perfectly good, that would make the man, aka Jesus, be God. Um, now, I'm not saying, this Okay, throughout a lot of the majority of the gospel, Jesus is not as, not exactly hiding the fact that he is the son of God, but he's not, or that he is God, He's but he's not going out directly and saying it. So, I believe that this is one of those instances where he's kind of being like, hey, yeah, I'm God, but he's not fully saying it out directly to everyone. So, the it kind of... He's kind of leaving that seed in the back of the guy's head. Um, so, uh, I'm going to read what they wrote. Jesus has taken great pains to hide his identity from all but the twelve. And the demons who feel impelled to declare it. So, I just want to quickly talk about, um, you know, different instances. So, one being when he asks, who do you say that I am? Um, that's, oh, now I'm blanking on the other ones, but that is one of the biggest ones. He asks who people say he is, um, and stuff like that. And then, you know, the demons declare it at times and, um, stuff like that. Where, uh, okay. Anyways. More likely, the brevity of the comment and the quick change suggests that Jesus is giving the man something to think on later. Why do you call me good? Are you calling me God? If you are, are you prepared to listen to me? Um, so, where'd it go? The man implies that Jesus, as a good teacher, must know how to receive eternal life. Jesus points out that only God is good and he gave the Mosaic law. Because, okay, um, so he tells the man to go back to the Mosaic laws God gave it and not worry about the traditions of man. Um, and this, the man implies that Jesus, as a good teacher, must know how to receive eternal life. Jesus points out that only God is good and he gave the Mosaic law to teach the Jews how to be holy. Um, Jesus is showing the man that if only God is good, the rich young man cannot be good. If he can't be good, how can he earn eternal life? Matthew's wording supports this interpretation. He said to him, 
why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. No matter how good we are, we will never be sinless. Unlike Jesus, who was sinless. Um, because we can't be fully good like God is good. We like to say, oh, well, I'm a good person. <laughs> well, no, none of us are actually good people. None of us are truly good. We're good in the, the worldly sense, maybe, but not in the true sense of the word, like Jesus is. Just pointing that out. Okay, so then Betsy ends up inviting him to um, a, little, a little play. Um, throughout the play, the message came across loud and clear. Accept Jesus as your Lord, and you will go to heaven. Otherwise, you will go to hell. Now, this is pretty much the premise, right? We have to believe in Jesus to go to heaven because it is by his grace um, though, and through our faith that we are saved. Um, you know, the, putting our faith in Jesus is how we truly become, um, we truly know what's... Oh my goodness, I'm just stumbling over words right now. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we can be assured, we are assured that we will be in heaven with him forever. And sometimes we struggle with, oh, am I truly saved? But yes, by putting your faith and trust in Jesus, you are saved. And it is because of God's grace and because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. The reason we go to hell isn't just, oh, well, you don't believe. Of course, that's a part of it. But it's really, hey, we all deserve hell. Every single one of us. Um, because, I mean, there are people who will believe in Jesus, but not put our their faith in him, um, that will go to hell. Because they didn't put their faith in Jesus. And, um, you know... We all deserve hell. We are all sinful, every single one of us. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, and by putting our faith in him, he saves us. And we can go to heaven. Um, and later, he says, I think it was silly, Abba. They were obviously trying to play on people's fears and emotions. Yes, I agree, Beta. But sometimes that's not bad. We should be frightened of hell, and we should be frightened of all his wrath. We should have a healthy fear of the Lord. God does have wrath. And it will come on uh, on people. And in Day of Judgment, there will be a ton of, um, of God's wrath. And the thing is, he... The reason we're Christians shouldn't be that we are frightened of hell. Yes, it's probably a part of it. I mean, I'm scared of hell. I don't want to go to hell. But I'm Christian because I love Jesus and I appreciate what he did for me on the cross and I truly believe it and I want to live my life for him. So, you know, it is a good thing to have the fear of the Lord. It's so, so important. And being scared of hell is okay. And I mean, I am. But just because we're scared of hell, doesn't it shouldn't be the only reason that we are Christian. What they're pe teaching people is they can do whatever they want their whole lives, and all they have to do is just say a prayer and they'll go to heaven. 
This is false. Saying a prayer does not make you, just saying one prayer does not make you saved. Just, um, just saying, hey, yeah, Jesus is Lord, whatever, um, does not save you. Faith, true faith saves you. And from that faith will come good works, right? Because of your faith in Jesus, you will start to follow him and you'll start to want to do what he says you should do. And, um, as, oh oh my goodness, um, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, it will become more obvious what he wants you to do, what his will for your life is, um, and he'll speak to you and help you, and we can't just be like, oh, well, I'm just gonna do what I want now, and later in life I'll be, become Christian, I'll be a good Christian, that's not how it works, yes, I mean, right now, let's say, let's say there's a man, and right now he is parting it up, doing whatever he wants to do, and later in life, he does give his life to Jesus. All those sins will be forgiven. I'm not saying that that's not true, but to be like, oh yeah, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want right now, and I'll just become Christian later in life. Later in life isn't guaranteed to you at all, and so... If you know who Jesus is and what he did for you, and you're, why would you decide to just do it later? Because there's, later isn't always promised. So just want to put that out there. Um, then he says, the purpose of religion is to make good people in a good society. If people can do whatever they want, they will indulge their sinful desires and society will fall apart. They have a blank check to sin. Even Hitler could go to heaven just by accepting Jesus. Abba prompted me on, and that's why. And that's why America is the way it is. Christians teach that there is no accountability for their deeds. The thing is, there is. We can't... Jesus does not want us to just go on sinning, however, and going into our sinful desires. Um, And he makes that very clear in lots and lots and lots of scripture. Um, there is so much saying, look, like, especially in Romans, and saying, like, hey, this, you, we can't keep sinning when we become Christian. Yes, we're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. But we can't just go on sinning. Like I said, if you, if th- there are people who did horrible things, but they came to Jesus eventually, and those sins were all forgiven. But that that doesn't that give them a free pass to keep doing whatever that was after they become Christian. If that does that make sense? I hope so. Okay. Allah judges us based on our choices in this world. Everything we do is recorded by angels, one on our right shoulder recording our good deeds, and one on our left shoulder recording our bad deeds. This is where that whole angel-devil thing comes from. When we stand before Allah, our deeds will be read aloud. No one will be able to intercede for us. Not our family, not Jesus, not even Muhammad. Allah will weigh our good deeds and our bad, and if our good deeds are greater than our bad deeds, Allah will give give us paradise. This is another big way in which a lot of religion and Christian, a lot of other religions and Christianity differ. Christianity isn't about 
doing everything right. It's not about, oh, you have to be able to do this and this and this. You have to do this or you're not good or whatever it may be. That is not at all what Christianity is about. Of course, it's important to do good and important to turn your ways and important to not sin. But your sins aren't going, your deeds do not get you into heaven. Your good deeds do not get you into heaven. Can't stress that enough. That is not what gets you into heaven. Your faith produces those good deeds. And your faith is what gets you into heaven. But those good deeds do not get you into heaven. Okay. And how many gods do Christians believe in, Baloo? Some believe in one, some believe in three. And then they later on they say there is only one God. We believe in one God. It's not that some of us believe in one and some of us believe in three. We believe in one God that is three persons. One being three persons. That's how um, Nabil is going to explain it later. He'll also explain in more depth what that means um, that I will read later on. But three in one. Okay, that is what Christians believe, not some believe in one, some believe in three. There is only one God, just as they're saying, there is only one God, but he's three in one, which is what they don't understand. Okay, then they go on to talk about traditions. Um, Just so you know, following traditions of a religion does not make you um, a true believer or someone who follows that religion. Because I could go and celebrate all the Christian holidays I wanted to, but that wouldn't make me a Christian. So, just so you are aware, um, also, that happens a lot in Jesus' time where people are like, well, I'm following all of these laws or I'm following all of these, um, all of these, oh my goodness, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm following all these traditions, so I'm Christian. And he's like, no, because you're not really following me. You're just trying to follow all these laws and follow all these traditions, and you believe that that is what's going to get you into heaven, when it's not. And you're not truly being Christian. And that's another thing, I, what I meant when I said your deeds aren't what get you into heaven. Okay. Then they talk about 9-11 and how hard it was for them because obviously they were Muslim and um, the the people, the the terrorists of 9-11 were also Muslim and how this is when he kind of started to question and be like, why would would people do that? Because they, um, he believed Islam was a religion of peace, not a religion of terror, um, but he comes to realize, you know, the, Islam can be a religion of peace or a religion of terror, depending on how it's taught, is what he says, that's one of his quote, the quotes in here, um, okay, it became clear that the hijackers were indeed Muslim, that, and that this attack on our nation had been carried out in the name of Islam, but what Islam was this? It was clearly not the Islam I knew, I witnessed thousands of innocents massacred in the name of my God. I had to learn truth about my faith once and for all. 
If by Islam we mean the belief of Muslims, then Islam can be a religion of peace or a religion of terror, depending on how it is taught. Um, okay, so then he goes on to talk about how he believes Muhammad launched solely offensive military, er, um, defensive, wait. Um, here we go. The earliest historical records show that Muhammad launched offensive military campaigns and used violence at times to accomplish his purposes. He used the term jihad in both spiritual and physical contexts, but the physical jihad is the one Muhammad strongly emphasizes. The peaceful practice of Islam hinges on latter, latter, later, often Western interpretations of Muhammad's teachings, whereas the more violent variations of Islam are deeply rooted in orthodoxy and history. Rarely is there much critical investigation into historical events, um, but it would be nearly impossible to challenge my... Okay, such is the case with me in, in my heart of hearts. I wanted to know the truth about Islam, but it would be nearly impossible to challenge my childhood beliefs just by investigating them. I would keep finding ways to ignore difficult truths, like the whole um, Muhammad launching offensive military campaigns and using violence and other people doing that as well in the Islamic faith. Anyways, I need a friend, an intelligent, uncompromising, non-Muslim friend who would be willing to challenge me. Little does he, And then... He says, little did I know, God has ar- had already introduced us, and I was already on a path that would change my life forever. And this is where David comes in, and we are going to work on, or look through that uh, next week. I hope that you guys enjoy this podcast episode. I really enjoyed filming it, and um, I will go in depth later onto the Trinity, in which he explains all the things that David brings up, all the things that Nabil brings up to David about Islam, um, and then really just because he, you know, there's the offenses versus defensive, um, violence in, um, Islam and how Nabil struggled with understanding what was truth and all that stuff. So I, there's a lot to unpack in this book and it's amazing. So I cannot wait to talk about the rest of this book. Like I said, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. It was so fun to film it, or record it, I guess. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your guys' week. I'll see you guys next week. God bless.